You're listening to My HR Buzz, brought to you by My HR Concierge. Hosted by Chris Cooley, we'll bring you various topics and guests to shed light on the often confusing world of HR and also employee screening. We'll be putting the human in human resources. I want to thank you for joining us today on My HR Buzz, the podcast. I want to remind you, you can find us at any of the normal um, places that you look for a podcast. And we definitely uh, would like for you to hit that subscribe button so you can always be up to date on um, the most current information. Uh, Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Affordable Care Act. Uh, We've been getting a lot of questions regarding um, the Affordable Care Act reporting. should I report? Should I not report? Just a lot of just a lot of different questions, and so I wanted to address some of those. I thought that would be a great way to kind of kick off this uh, reporting season, if you will. And so uh, I wanted to really hit on four primary topics. Um, I wanted to hit on uh, reporting, the due dates, penalties, et cetera. Um, how do you know if you have to file? Um, talk a little bit about you know, what do we do in 2023 as far as the affordability? And then also, what are the, the penalties in 2023? So we want to start off with the reporting. Um, as, it, as it comes to reporting, there's a lot of common misconceptions. Um, I'll give you one. I got a call the other day from somebody, and they were talking about doing reporting. They had a client that had, um, uh, in prior years, they stated the carrier had done the reporting for them. It's a common misconception that the carrier sending out a 1095 form to their to members is also the same requirement that the employer has. And so they think if the carrier sends out the 1095, the employer doesn't have to send anything out. Um, however, the way that works is the IRS requires the carrier to send out the 1095 form, and it also requires the employer. Now, this is primarily around a fully funded option. And so just because the carrier sends it out doesn't mean the employer doesn't have to. And so it's very important that these that an employer, that if you meet the requirements that you do send them out um, to your employees and also file them with the IRS. Um, otherwise, even though the carrier sends them out, you could have penalties for non-reporting. Also, one thing, uh, another question that we get a lot is, well, I only need to send these out to individuals on insurance. And that's not the case. And and so when we send these out, anyone that was eligible to be offered insurance should be provided a 1095 form, whether they took it or not. And so, so who is that? So obviously those are full-time employees. Um, Those are also variable hour employees that meet the requirements to be offered insurance. Um, Those are typically determined through measurement periods, and I won't get too far into that because that's a whole other ballgame, probably a whole other podcast. Uh, But if you do have variable hour employees, which are defined as employees that have irregular schedules, maybe they work 40 hours one week, maybe they work 30 hours the next, 10 the next, and so forth, then um, we don't know if they're going to meet that 30 30 hour per week requirement. So there are some measurement periods that you can do um, to determine over a period of time if they're going to average those 30 hours. So if they do meet those requirements based on the measurement period, they would have a 1095 form as well. And if you think about it, when I was mentioning before, 
with these carriers, uh, these carriers sending out a form, they're only going to send those out to the ones that took the insurance. They're not going to know who was offered and didn't take it. And so that's another reason why the employer has to send those 1095 forms out as well as the carrier. And so that's always very, very important. Um, but you want to make sure that you're sending those out to anyone that's eligible. The other misconception that a lot of people have that I've been getting a lot of questions on is the thought that I only have to send out a 1095 forms or only have to perform re reporting if I'm over 50 full-time equivalents. And so that's not necessarily true. That is true if you're on a fully funded plan. So if you have a plan where you're just paying the premiums in each month and then the carrier's paying all the you know, they're, they're on the hook for the claims, if you will. Um, all it's, level, it's fully funded plans that are over 50. But also, if you're on a self-insured plan, uh, you have to regardless of size, right? So even if you have 10, 10 employees, if you're on a self-insured plan, you have to file. Now, one thing that I would like to say, too, is there's there's a there's something that's very very popular now. It's called a level-funded plan. It looks and feels fully funded, but in essence, it's a self-funded um, product. And so even if you're on a level-funded plan, for instance, we are here. That's what we do. We have a level-funded plan. Um, that is essentially a fully, that is essentially a self-insured plan. So you're going to have to report. You're going to have to do that. Now, the reporting's a little easier you're going to do a 1095B versus a 1095C, but you are going to have to, to do that reporting. And so that's that's another thing that's kind of a, a misconception out there. If you're unsure, talk to your broker, and they should be able to help you on whether you have a fully funded plan or a self-funded uh, plan. Now, as we get to reporting, um, we start talking about when are they due. So, you have to have your 1095 forms to your employees by March the 2nd, 2023, and that's for the 2022 reporting year. Used to, it was always by January 31st, but essentially they put in this almost permanent extension, a 30-day extension. So the deadline to the employees is March 2nd, 2023. Um, if you're filing them to the IRS, uh, the deadline is... February 28th, 2023, if you're filing paper. March 31st, 2023, if you're e-filing them. So you need to make sure that, that, that you do that. Now, here's the other thing. So what if you don't file? We run into a lot of companies that don't file. They don't know, they forget, whatever that may be. And so the penalties can add up pretty significantly if you don't file appropriately. And so in 2022, failure to file is $280 per form, okay? So if you have 10 employees, you don't give them a 1095 form, that's a $2,800 fine. Now, the trick to this, though, is really for every form, you have to file it with, you have to provide it to the employee. You also have to provide it to the IRS. And so in each instance, that's $280. So if you don't file at all, you don't give your form to the employee, you don't give your form to the, you don't file with the IRS, that's actually a $560 fine per form, per, 
So those can definitely add up very quickly. So so we definitely suggest that you that you do file those and file those timely. Now another thing that's a that a lot of people get confused is they think if it's if it's due, let's say on March the second, if I don't file, if I file on March the third, it's a five hundred five hundred sixty dollar penalty, and that's not the case. Um, the penalties for non-filing are graduated. And that's one thing we always try to stress to to clients, prospects, whoever we're speaking to. So if you didn't file by March um, 31st, let's say, or March the 2nd, let's say, for your employees, it's important to get those done as quickly as possible. If you file them within 30 days from the due date, the, the penalty is only $50 per form rather than rather than 280 or 560 if you're including both the filing for the employee and the IRS. So even if you're late, file them within that first first 30 days and it's only $50 per form. If it's 30 days late, but by August the 1st, the penalty is only $100 per form. If you do it after August 1st, it's $280 per form. So again, it's important, even if you miss the deadline, get them filed as fast as you can. So that way you're getting, you can get one of those lower penalties, if you will. Um, and so that's very important. And that's one thing we always stress. We always send out emails. We send out, uh, you know, we're talking to people. We always want to make sure that, hey, if you miss the deadline, report them because we want to make sure that we we reduce that penalty as much as possible. Now, if you need assistance with reporting, we can we can certainly help. Um, we have a service that will, um, you can upload your information into our system. Our system will create the 1095s, then the 1094 forms. We'll code them out. If you're familiar with the 1095 forms, that's kind of always the trick, because what you're doing on there is you're telling the IRS and that employee what their Life, insurance life was during the year. Uh, so essentially by month, you're going to say if they were employed, not employed, offered insurance, took the insurance, declined the insurance, and so forth. Uh, and that's all done through different codes that the IRS has set up. It gets really complicated. So what we can do with our system, again, you load the information up. Our system automatically creates those in a compliant fashion. And then uh, we will also uh, e-file those for you and we can also um, uh, print and mail them for you as well. So if you have a need for that, we can definitely help. Um, you can always just email us at podcast at myhrbuzz.com, and um, we can definitely help you with that. We'd love to do that. Um, also, uh, the other question we talked about, other area, is if you have to file, um, there's something called an ALE. And that is somebody that's deemed that to to have the the fifty or more full time equivalents. Um, I won't go through that calculation um, just because it can get kind of cumbersome, and to do that without visuals can kind of kind of be uh, convoluted, if you will. Email me podcast at myhrbuzz.com. I have a piece that was created by a, a partner of ours, Benefit Mall, that walks through that calculation. It gives you uh, everything you need to know to, to figure out if you're an ALE or not. And I can email that to you. So do that. Email me. I'll send that to you. It'll walk you through an ALE. One thing I do want to uh, stress, though, 
is in an ALE calculation, it's always based upon the prior year. So um, if you, let's say in 2021, you meet the requirements to be an ALE, that means that your compliance with the ACA employer mandate and reporting starts in 2022. There's a lot of confusion about that. I got a call uh, the other day from uh, uh, a prospect that had questions where they had met the requirement of an ALE in 2021, and they were upset because they never filed. And so, uh, and thought they were going to have some large penalties. And so fortunately for them, um, that they didn't, just because they became an ALE in 2021 did not mean that they had to file for 2021. But that's always a misconception. The ALE calculation is always based upon the prior year uh, on whether you have to comply in that year, if that makes sense. Uh, so that uh, I do want to mention that it's important if you're on that borderline do that calculation to determine. The other thing that's important is if you're someone that fluctuates above and below that 50, um, it's always important to do that calculation because you may have to comply one year and not the next. That's possible. And so um, I would definitely encourage you to, to look at that and, and do that. Now, as we go through to 2023, I want to talk about uh, one of the main things is affordability because um, as you go through your pay or play analysis, which basically means, do I just want to pay the penalty and I don't want to deal with a, with um, meeting the requirements of the Affordable Care Act, or do I want to comply and not have the penalty? And that's just an economic decision on what makes most sense for your business. Uh, in some cases, it could be that it makes that the penalty is less than what you would have to pay to offer the insurance or to be affordable with the insurance. Um, for 2023, uh, the affordability rate is 9.12% of an employee's earnings for 2023. Uh, that percentage does change every year. And so you always want to keep up with that. But for 2023, it's 9.12%. And that is on that affordability is based upon the lowest cost medical option for employee only coverage. And that is the lowest cost option that meets the minimum value. So to give you an example, um, a lot of times companies will offer multiple um, insurance plans, right? Maybe you have two options. And so regardless of which option an employee took, the affordability is based upon the lowest plan that meets minimum value. And it's only based on employee-only coverage. I know that sometimes gets cumbersome because I've, I talk to a lot of groups and they're they're figuring affordability on depending upon which plan that person took, but you don't have to do that. It's really based only on that lowest cost option. Um, with affordability, there are three primary um, safe harbors you can do, which is what most people do, right? They don't they don't calculate it on a per per employee basis per se. Um, you have the rate of pay safe harbor which essentially is you, you would look and you would go 130 hours times 9.12% times the wage rate at the beginning of the month for an employee. And that and you can calculate that. That's what you charge and you'll always be, be fine. Um, also, what we see with that rate of pay safe harbor, it's hard to go in and do that calculation for every employee. 
And so a lot of times what we see is a lot of companies, they will just take the lowest wage that they pay for individuals that could possibly be eligible, calculate that rate of pay safe harbor, and just apply that to everybody. That administratively, that's an easier process. And so that's what we see see a lot of times as well. Um, you also have a federal poverty level safe harbor, um, and that is 9.12 per, 9.12% of the federal poverty line. For 2023, that rate is $103.28 per month for calendar year plans. So therefore, if you're on a calendar year plan and you charge your employees, uh, make their contribution $103.28 per month, you're good from an affordability perspective. The third one is the W-2 safe harbor. Nobody uses that. Uh, the reason for that is it's, it's probably the most difficult. It's based on the box one of an employee's W-2 for the current year. And the issue is if you're trying to figure out affordability, let's say in March of 2023 for an individual, what, how are you going to know what their wages are on their W-2 for 2023? Unless you have an employee base that is salaried um, and has consistent wages throughout the year, I guess you you would do that, but that's very off. That's very seldom used. We just don't see that that safe harbor used often. Uh, also, one thing to note: if you have different classes of employees or different categories, uh, you can use different uh, safe harbors, and so you can kind of see what works best for you and and use those safe harbors. The fourth thing that I kind of wanted to touch on are the penalties for. 2023. These are not the reporting penalties that we talked about before. These are just the re- just if you don't comply with the with the Affordable Care Act in 2023, you don't meet the affordability. Um, you don't offer who you need to offer those things. Uh, these are the penalties that you're looking at. So you have penalty A, which is kind of the nuclear penalty. Uh, that is if you don't offer 95% of the employees that should be offered. Um, then you have the penalty A, and that is $2,880 per full-time employee. And so that full-time employee is basically based on anyone that should be offered insurance. And so the way you do that is you take all of your full-time employees, those that should be offered insurance, minus 30. They give you 30 free. So you take that number minus 30 times $2,880. Now, one thing that I would say as well is these penalties that I'm going to talk about, they're always expressed annually. So that $2,880 per full-time employee is the annual penalty if you got that penalty for all 12 months. However, they're actually calculated on a monthly basis. And so, you know, if you're out January and February because you didn't offer everybody that you should have and you come back in March and you fix that, then you only have penalty A for January and February. And so that's another thing to know is if you'll stay on this as far as who should and should not be offered, um, you can make sure that um, uh, even if you do fall below that threshold, you can always come back and mitigate that penalty. Um, Also, what you can do with that penalty A, maybe you're a 30-man group. and I mean, I'm sorry, a 60-man group, but you only have 25 employees that meet the requirement to be offered insurance. Uh, that are effectively full-time equivalents or full-time employees, you get 30 free in the calculation. Therefore, you know, you can look at that in your pay for uh, pay or play. Um, you know, it may make sense that 
because you're under 30, you know, maybe it doesn't make sense because you know you're not going to get penalty A. Now, um, the other option is penalty B. This is if you have, if you don't, you're offering your insurance as you should, but it doesn't meet the affordability we talked about, or it doesn't meet minimum value. If you do that, then if you have one employee, full-time equivalent, that goes to the exchange and gets a subsidy, um, and you are unaffordable or do not provide minimum value, for that employee, for an employee that goes to the exchange, it's $4,320 per employee that goes to the exchange. Again, that's a monthly one. So if um, so, just because they go, if they go in August, then you would really only be on the hook for the penalty August, September, October, November, December, so for five months. Um, but those are very important. Um, when you start thinking about, well, do I want to comply? Do I not want to comply? Um, those are very important things to think about when you're making that economic decision. And so those are just some of the things that we've been getting a lot of questions on uh, that we've um, that I wanted to just kind of walk through. If if you have questions, you're welcome to call uh, or, or email me at podcast at myhrbuzz.com or call us at 855-538-6947, extension 108. And we can certainly go through that. Again, I can send you that ALE calculation sheet that I think is is really good. It's the one that uh, we always kind of look at, too, as just a guide. Um, and then also, as you come upon your 2022 reporting, if you do need a, a mechanism or a system to help you do that, we can definitely help you do that. We'd love to. So, again, I appreciate you jumping on and listening to the podcast today. We always encourage you to hit that like button, subscribe. Um, that way you can always keep up with the podcast and the information that we're putting out. And again, we really appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking to you next time.